You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Welcome to the Dan Potter Files. I'm Dan Potter, and I host the KRMG Morning News in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This week, we're continuing our chat with the former executive director of the Greenwood Cultural Center, now the CEO of the Oklahoma Center for Community and Justice, Phil Armstrong. Last time, Phil spun an amazing tale about how one song, His Eye is on the Sparrow, came to shape the course of his entire life. I highly encourage you to go back and listen to part one if you haven't. He even sang a bit of the song for us. This time, Phil Armstrong tells me how he came to be so intimately involved in Tulsa's marking of the centennial of the 1921 Greenwood Massacre. Our interview was recorded at the church studio. I have this experience with a professor. His name was uh, Dr. Edwin Clay. And we spent a semester. He was the communications professor, but he was the uh, head of the radio station at Ohio State University. And so he would have this huge budget and do documentaries and film and do different things. So he would bring his personal collection into the class. And we spent an entire semester and he talked about the amazing free lives that black people could live once upon a time in Oklahoma. Hmm. I'm a sophomore in in college. It's 1991. And it's not like one class or an hour or two, three weeks, a semester. And every week he'd come back and he'd show us a new documentary or he'd show us um, new research or not research, but books and different things on the historic black towns of Oklahoma, the richest community of black citizens that ever lived in the United States in a place called Bowley, Oklahoma, you know, 1887, where they had a black owned bank. You know, I'm in Ohio learning about Oklahoma black history and this rich history, and it wasn't just, I guess I think his appeal was there's more to black history than learning about slavery and learning about Harriet Tubman and learning about Dr. Martin Luther King and civil rights. That's what black history was in public schools. Right. You learned about the negative sides. Is that when you learned first about the Tulsa race? That Massacre? was exactly, that's when I first learned. And I'm 20, some, 20 years old, 21 years old, and he's given us history of lawyers and doctors and whole communities of these incredible black folks that, hey, there is a place that they can live free from persecution and free from the Ku Klux Klan and live their own lives and build their own communities. And it was in a place called Oklahoma, Indian Territory. And it was was just fascinating. So that was all this building up, all this putting this stuff inside of me. Everything that I got that thousands of white children and black children in Oklahoma didn't get at all. Yeah. And they were born and raised here. I was going to say here I'm in Ohio learning all this that they didn't get. So I moved here in 1997 and it was, it was, um, words can I describe? It was shocking. And then it was just sad that I knew more about this history 
And then, and then, you know, back then they called it the 1920 Matosa race riot. But I knew more about the full expanse, not just this death and destruction for, you know, for 18, 20 hours, but I knew all this incredible history about what it was before that happened, what it was after it was, after the destruction. And I'm like, but I'm from Ohio. How do I know more than anybody here? It's like, all you guys do is celebrate Juneteenth and have fun and have barbecues and have concerts. Do y'all know about May 31st? So that was my start to just, how do I be a part of just telling the story? You know, that um, I, that's so that's how of, it all began. I think we've got a common theme here in our first three podcasts because in, in your case and in Danny O'Connor's case, it took someone coming from the outside to say, hey, people, look what you've got here. <laughs> look what you've got. You need to know about these things. Yeah. You need to appreciate yeah. these things and treasure them yeah. uh, and learn about them and learn from them. Yeah. Um, and Teresa Knox, the same way, although she's from here, um, taking this great studio that we're sitting in, and, and she recognized what nobody else seemed to recognize, yeah. that it was a valuable treasure yeah. to the community. So you brought all that knowledge here, and you're frustrated that nobody else shares it with you. Um, where did that leave you? How did, how did conversations with people about what you knew about Tulsa mm-hmm. proceed? For, actually, for a long time, it just you just really didn't get into too many conversations because nobody knew the history. Mm. Nobody really, so there was really not much to have dialogue on until uh, I went through Leadership Tulsa, uh, it moved in 97, so 2008 I was invited to uh, and recommended to go to Leadership Tulsa. And uh, that's an eight month class, course if you will, and one of the classes was um, facilitated by Hannibal B. Johnson. Um, who wrote the book Black Wall Street. Right. And so it was, if you could have seen the reaction on my face to finally see somebody talking about it and talking about it in such a way that where it was, it reminded me of being back in that college class. It was an academic, high academic level, but it was, let me tell you about this community that used to be here called Black Wall Street. And his expansive knowledge was like, and so I was just sitting in the class, and I was the only one. I was raising my hand. What about this? And like, tell him about bully. <laughs> tell, tell him about this. And so he could tell, like, you know, not many people know this. So how did you know? And so afterwards, we ended up a few weeks later and went to lunch. And from that point on, I mean, an immediate friendship, a mentorship. Um, you know, for a while we would just meet because I just was able to bond with somebody that knew this history. Um, and then fast forward about 2014, I was uh, given the honor to ask to join the, the, the board of the directors for Greenwood Cultural Center. It was a financially a really, really rough time. I think, you know, that period of time, it, it almost closed. Hmm. Uh, it lost funding from the state that it really depended on to stay open. And it was a really direst time for financially for Greenwood Cultural Center. So I was able to come on and at that time and, and help try to, uh, as a board of directors, member transition through and so that's 2014 2016 this new thing starts buzzing in the community that this this senator named senator kevin matthews is trying to put together this commission of people that from the community to say hey in six years five years from now we're gonna have the 100th anniversary of this horrible thing that happened you know what are we going to be able to tell the world is any different than what happened 100 years ago and do we know anything about it you know that's really was the start of 
there was no plans to build a museum. There was no, let's raise $30 million. There was, there was none of that. It just, it literally started as, you know, I sit in a position, I being Senator Matthews, sit in a position on the state house where I can have these conversations with people who can, you know, make appropriations happen right. and try to make things happen in a way where a community can gather around and I'm getting support. I'm getting Republicans and Democrats to lean in and say, you know, we need to learn more about this. We need to know, maybe we do need to do something about it. And he's coming back to the community and having meetings with Greenwood Culture Center and uh, the, the Greenwood Chamber and John Hope Franklin. And he's, you know, and then Senator James Lankford, a U.S. sitting senator, comes along and says, that story needs to be told. And I want to use my platform to help you tell it. That was... I mean, it's Oklahoma. Let's just, you know, let's just put it out there. It's Oklahoma, yeah. you know, the most politically conservative state. So to have someone with a with an R behind his name say, "I will stand with this guy that has a D behind his name," and we're going to come together and say, "How can we use our political spheres of influence to bring attention to this?" That's really literally how it started. And yeah. so I'm at the Greenwood Culture Center, and seeing this start to begin. And I'm like, wow, i got to be a part of this. You know, I've got to be a part of this. You kind of feel like and you were born for this at exactly, this point, right? Yeah. At that point, it really, things started to form. And the, the commission, the, the, as they call it, the, the uh, 1921 Tulsa Race uh, Massacre Commission gets started. And I'm on the board of, I actually, actually uh, was elected then to become the chair of the Board of Directors Agreement Culture Center. Reuben Gant is chair of the board of the John Hope Franklin Center. We've got the Greenwood Chamber, and you got this thing called the commission, and we're just having meetings. What is this, how do we do this? How do we, what are some things we can do? And the discussion just starts elevating to what if we raise money to at least have a commemoration, have a, a big, that we mark this day as a city, as a state, to stop and remember this thing happened and no one should ever forget it. That's really how it started. And that morphed into, okay, what do we do about education? How do we make sure students are getting taught this? What do we do about economic development? What if we could raise some money where people might want to start investing in uh, what would it look like to see a resurgence of businesses and homes in this community? It was all these simultaneous, no one had an answer or had a playbook. It's just things are starting to develop and come together. And it took, <clears throat> it took a trip of small, uh, of small group of people, went to Washington, D.C., uh, I think it was 2018, and they go to the Smithsonian, uh, the African American Museum of History and Culture. And that's when they see this hugest room, an entire room, and it's called Race and Resilience, the Tulsa, 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre, an entire room filled with artifacts and all the history about what happened in 1921. They come back, they ask, you know, foundations and heads and company heads and community members to meet at Greenwood Culture Center on Survivors Gallery, and they make a presentation and say, you know, it is wonderful that people can go to D.C. and see this Smithsonian style on this history. But the question was, why do people have to go to D.C. to learn about this history? Why can't they have a place here where it happened for people to learn it 
and experience it right here. And that was the kind of the, that light bulb that goes off of everybody's head when you see on cartoons. That was the, the moment, like, yes, there should be a, a something here. They don't have to go to DC. This is where it happened. That's really, that was mid-2018. Um, and that's when it just started, you know, what would it look like to raise funds to build something that people can learn this history in a very in a world-class way i was on you know the greenwood culture center greenwood culture center is a arts complex it is a place where you can learn the history but it's not equipped for a museum style it, it's it, it serves its purpose in the community the icon of the community you got john Hope franklin but there's you know not a building there you have a park um, where can you go to learn the history? Everything is dedicated to the death and destruction. You know, you've got the John Hope Franklin Park, the, the beautiful sculpture there <coughs> dedicated to remembering the lives that were lost in the history. You've got Greenwood Culture Center and the Black Wall Street mural, all the listing of all the businesses that were destroyed and the amount of damages and how much was destroyed. Nothing talked about the history that this was more than just a destruction. There were incredible lives that people lived here. And that's what, so when people say, you know, well, why, why are you building a new center? It's because no one has a place to just learn the history and about the massacre. But then for people to realize, and guess what? They built it back. I think that's what really stuns people is that, like, I didn't know they built it back. They, they, they built it, and they're like, yeah. It, actually was built back twice the same, doubled in size after the man. Without insurance and without, without any insurance, help. you know, people are fascinated just to learn that full history. Um, and this, so, you know, that was the impetus for where Greenwood Rising History Center comes into play and how it fit in, because when the public came, came there, what I saw you know, during my time as the interim director, is people would come in town, they would see this, but they, you, you don't walk away with this horrible pit in your stomach. You don't walk away like angry and mad. You walk away like, oh my gosh, how, what else don't I know? Mm. And what else could I go see? And so the encouragement then is, guess what? Not only you go to DC and you get the history, but guess what? You come here, you get all this incredible history, and then you're standing right on the streets where it happened. You know, you now go to, go to John O. Franklin Park and go see that. Go to, go to the Standpipe Hill and you can stand and see where the area, you know, go to the, the, um, the Ellis Walker Woods Booker T. Washington Memorial, right up the street. Go to Greenwood Culture Center. Yeah. Go right across the street Go to Vernon Amy Church. You know, yeah. all these things are in walking distance. You have these all these historical sites. Nobody else in the country has that. You know, you have to get on a bus. And, or a charter bus and go to the other part of town, you can put on a pair of sneakers and spend a whole day experiencing and walking through this history mm. and see it and experience it. It was, um, t you know, it is, it is amazing to think of where I started from. And, you know, this is my 25th year, well, you know, now 26th year living here and that I like she said, an, out, an outsider. <laughs> we just listen to Dan talk about outsiders. An outsider comes in and says, I, if you will allow me and give me the honor, I want to help take this to an elevated level, a worldwide level where people come from all over the world to not only learn this history, but that they never forget. And maybe they'll go back to their communities and maybe make some changes and experience and see, was there a 
was there a black community like that where we lived? And people are doing that now. They're realizing there were Greenwoods all over the country. None as prosperous as we had here because they owned their land and that land had oil and gas underneath it. But everywhere there was some small black community, they had to learn how to survive within themselves. They were insular economies because of Jim Crow and segregation. Black communities had to figure out a way to survive together. And so there were these black communities all over the country. And you know what we've seen is people going back to their communities and you know the South and you know and in the North and saying, I think we had one of those communities. There's no longer there, but there's gotta be some research where we can uncover it. It's amazing wow. what's happening all over the country. The CEO of the Oklahoma Center for Community and Justice, Phil Armstrong. Our theme music is composed and performed by Tulsa entertainer, Aaron J. Morton. I'm Dan Potter. Thanks for listening. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.